A couple days ago I had the chance that I really enjoyed and that was to sit down with one of my childhood ministers, Mr. Martin Stokes. It was so much fun to get to sit with him and hear what's happening, you know, at the time that I didn't even know about and then also what's happening since and to see how many things that I was wondering if I should bring up or whatever. And I just feel like he was just great and knocked the thing out of the park. If you like this podcast, sit down, rate it, review it, do whatever. This is all about helping people and about your stories getting out. And that's what I'm trying to do. So sit back and listen to Martin Stokes. Martin, how are you? Doing fine. Well, I'm just so happy to have you on the phone. And I just think so many people will like to hear from you, and that's why I decided to do this. Well, I admire you for doing that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> well, it's a lot of fun is what it is. I mean, I've got the it looks like the one I've seen so far, you're having a blast. Yeah, I'm having a good time, definitely. And so, basically, let's just, you know, we need to talk about your time in Crane, but then also, I need to talk about what you've been since then. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, so, it, Crane was my first pastor. Right. Um, I was director of Christian uh, of uh, youth ministries for the Branson Area Youth Ministry, which doesn't fit on one line of any form that I had to fill in. <laughs> it's a long time. I, I, I had the uh, Presbyterian Church USA person representing call me and ask, what is your official title? And I gave it to her, <laughs> and she said, that won't fit. I said, I know. <laughs> so, but anyway, my first pastor, and I was as green as I could be. This wasn't what I had planned for my life. <laughs> How and, so? Well, my interest, I, I guess my interest basically came from watching my dad. My dad could do just about anything, very practical man. Uh, okay. A lot like the, the sermon that I have here of your father uh, uh-huh. teaching about his father. And, uh, <laughs> My thing when I was younger was to watch my dad take a car apart or a lamp or anything that came up that needed fixing. He could pretty well fix it. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I got an interest in electricity. And I thought, well, electrical engineering is a good thing. And I also had a neighbor two doors up that was an electrical engineer. And we were just best of friends. And he talked about his job a lot, how much it, he enjoyed it. So that's sort of where I was headed until I ran into my pastor who talked me into going to King College instead of the University of Tennessee. Really? Yeah. And he said, uh, have you ever considered the ministry? And I said, oh, of course not. He said, why? Because <laughs> I don't like to wear a tie all the time. He said, <laughs> I said, well, I see you every day. He lived just behind us on the next uh, block, and so our backyards basically faced each other. And I said, I see you out here in your yard mowing or – working in the garden, and you've got a tie, white shirt tie on. It's just because I choose to do that. I said, uh-huh. okay. So I said, well, I would give it a try and go to King College for at least a year and see what their pre-engineering class was like. And then we were toward the end of my freshman, I know, toward the end of my senior year in high school, before I became a freshman, I uh, went to represent our presbytery at a vocational guidance conference in Richmond, Virginia at Union Seminary. Okay. 
And uh, it was during that time that uh, I got to thinking about, uh, you know, what what am I going to do with my life? Is it going to be relative to the church or not? And one of the person the person that was leading the group said we need to divide up. We had seven or eight people in the group, and we need to go to different seminars because not every everybody can't make every one of them. So sure, I ended up saying I'll just take whatever, and they gave me the ministry. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so. Yeah, you know, my question, I guess, was: Do you always get this Damascus Road type of call? And sure. he said, No. He said, Sometimes it's it's a uh, delayed call. You do something and you do it so naturally, you just decide that's where you need to be. Uh-huh. And, uh, I thought about that. I said, Well, I've done a lot. I've read, led Bible studies and, and uh, vacation Bible school, all that stuff in the church. And uh, that was by the time I was 16, and uh, I just said, it might be a possibility. So I gave some thought, and then uh, within a week, I was uh, really praying hard, and the, the I guess the uh, the word came to me. I was reading scripture, and uh, one of the translations I was using was not the one I use now, but it said that part of God's gift was preaching the word. Uh-huh. Said, well, if he can take care of that, I can handle the rest. <laughs> and uh, I went to breakfast that morning, and I told my mom, I said, well, I think I know what I'm going to do. She said, what? I said, I'm going to the ministry. And she went, what? <laughs> I went to off the floor. I think she uh, figured out that might be what I needed to do. Uh-huh. So I went well, to King. Wow. Yeah. So I went to King thinking I was going a couple of years. And during my freshman year, I met this young lady who was, uh, yeah. I think you know her. Uh, you know her. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she was very impressive. I asked her, I said, are you here for your MS, uh, MRS degree or you have something else in mind? <laughs> no, I was wanting a business degree, but uh, they don't offer that here. I'm uh, going to probably do psychology. I said, well, that's what I was planning to do, too, because I don't know where I want to go yet. <laughs> Next thing you know, uh, I said, uh, are you uh, looking for someone? I mean, who would you look for if you were looking for a, a, a husband? Well, I just know I don't want to marry a minister. <laughs> I had not committed at this time, but I said, oh, really? Why? She said, well, my father's a minister. I said, oh, I do. You don't like your father? Oh, we get along fine. <laughs> I don't want to live in a fishbowl all my life. Um, so my mind immediately said, oh, there's a challenge. And uh, <laughs> next thing I know, I'd ask her out uh, to uh, see a concert uh, by Vern Sutton with a songs from the Restoration Theater, which meant nothing to me, but I said, well, I'll take her anyway, uh, because we had a big date planned for the next night to go to see My Fair Lady, and uh, that's what we did on our first date, and from that point on, it's just been a story. Wow, that's crazy, and I didn't realize that you guys got married. You know, you've been married for 50 years now. Yes, we have. We celebrate our graduation and our wedding at the same time, basically. Really? We uh, we graduated in, in May, and by June the 7th, we were married. So it wow. didn't at all. Well, and so let's talk for a minute about what it was like to be the minister in Crane. Well, it was something I really had never done. I mean, I, like I said, I, I had led Bible school, and I I have uh, taught a few classes by that time in uh, Bible study, but nothing like being the minister, which sure. are pretty big mistakes if you want to. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't, <laughs> but I did. I, I made some. 
But I had a very gracious, uh, loving congregation and a good session, solid, that uh, were tolerant of me. And I did not do things in the old traditional way in a lot of things. But, right, um, you didn't. That is and right. That, that is, you know, kind of different for, from anything that we've had since. And so I'd like to hear how you came up with your methods and what influenced you. Well, one of the biggest things that's always been important to me is music. And uh, really, <laughs> I enjoy it thoroughly. And I did have a group during my internship in Charlotte uh, that uh, did some. I got invited by the leader of a, of a basically Bible study, uh, played a twelve string guitar, and he said, uh, "I want you to come over, bring your electric, and back me up on some songs." Uh-huh. And I, okay, so about three o'clock in the afternoon, I went over and uh, we did some songs. It was it was fun, you know. I said, "Hey, I'll back you up again next week." And so the next thing we know, he said, "Oh, by the way, we have an engagement at such and such a dinner, and uh, we're going to provide about thirty minutes worth of songs." I said. Okay, might as well do them too. And this developed into uh, basically a group that uh, next thing I knew, I was leading. And right. I, uh, this is not right. This is not what I planned to do, but that's okay. Uh, we also <laughs> had at our church going at that time, the contemporary worship services were just getting underway. This was early uh, 1970s. Right. And, uh, we, Jane and I went out with the pastor one afternoon, and uh, he said, uh, don't I know something about you playing the guitar or something? I said, well, I used to, but uh, I quit. He said, why? I said, well, because the guy that owned the amplifier moved away, and I didn't have anything to play with me. <laughs> and, uh, he said, well, go out and buy one. I said, sure, on my salary. I was making roughly <laughs> $6,000 a year uh, being the intern uh, youth leader. So... I did go out and buy one, and we started a contemporary service, and it caught on crazy. Uh, I had some very talented young people there, uh, a lot of teenagers. So there were times that uh, our seven our 7.30 service, I almost said 7 o'clock, and we were there at 6, So, uh, <laughs> but we got things going. And it would sometimes outnumber the 11 o'clock service, which was a, a real good service, too. There were about 500 uh, members to the church, so they had a good drawing group. But we had wow. kids coming from uh, other churches, other denominations. And uh, next thing I knew, we had a little group called Faith. And I think if you saw that uh, PowerPoint that I sent, there were different, I did. Yeah. different groups through there. Uh, and I don't know if the music came through or not, but it, it was. No, uh, they didn't. That didn't. But I guess I got to see the it all That does awesome. a good job for us. But anyway, <laughs> that's what happened. And then I said when I got went back to school for a second uh, internship, and got that approved, and then finished up and went back to school. And I said, okay, that's it. Don't do that anymore. And uh-huh. the next thing I know, I'm the youth director at uh, Branson. Mr. Uh-huh. Jack Hershen, I think you know uh, the Hershens from Silver Dollar City. Yeah, definitely. He called me up one night, and he said, I understand that you do youth ministry. I said, well, that's true. He said, I understand there's only two of you that are graduating this year that, that do that, kind of specialize that. I said, <laughs> He said, well, I have a little, this is the way he described a little family entertainment place. <laughs> yeah, a little one. Yeah, it's tiny. In, in southwest Missouri, and uh, we're, we're looking for someone for our church uh, to you know, be a, a youth director or whatever. We haven't really worked all the details. I said, well, I appreciate that, Jack, but I am really not interested in foreign missions. 
<laughs> and it got dead silent on the thing. He says, what do you mean four missions? I said, look, anything west of the Mississippi is four missions. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, okay. And I said, I'm really not, I'm going to stay in the southeast as much as I can. And about uh, April, he called again. That was February. April, he called again and asked if I had reconsidered it or prayed about it. I said, well, yeah, but I just haven't decided to, to bother to come out. And then we got a call. That was Monday night. We got one on a Tuesday night, one on a Thursday night, and one on Friday morning from different people in the congregation. We finally uh-huh. took the going. We flew out there. Uh, I went to Canna Cup Camp. Uh-huh. And their closing program, and there was a young lady playing a dulcimer singer, just absolutely beautiful singer, uh, Meredith Mizell. And I went back and I said, "Oh, this is this is what I got to do. I mean, I I can I can get along with this kind of group." Yeah. And the next thing you know, you know, I'm there and I've been installed. The only problem was they didn't have a senior pastor. Oh no. Yeah, I, I had agreed to go, thinking there would be a senior pastor, and Jack even <laughs> there would be one on the on the. Uh, uh, docket for uh, June fifteenth. June fifteenth. That was the big date. And I said, "Well, okay, I'll go." But I said, "I have to have somebody there to be called as an associate pastor." You know that. He said, "That's true." So uh, they set it up so I could be ordained without having the call uh, at the school, at the church. And sure enough, they had a senior pastor there in June, the next year. <laughs> I served for a whole year as the youth director and tried to stay out of the pulpit and out of the, the leading part uh, as long as I could. But sure. one of the things that one of the, the men asked me to do was do a children's sermon. So I said, okay, we can do that. And I had a song that I thought, hey, it'd be kind of fun with the kids. And we did that with about three or four college students that were there, went to school of the Ozarks. And um, we just did it, and next thing you know, we're getting asked to do another one and another one and another one, and lo and behold, there was another group, and that was the, the first together group. Yeah. And uh, it lasted the whole time that I was there. I was there uh, basically three years from the time I started, and about two and a half of that, we had that group going. So wow. I moved into Crane as a senior pastor, and I said, okay, no more of the scene group, no more traveling, no more on-the-road stuff, having to live out of the uh-huh. suitcase, that kind of stuff. And that was it. I thought, it's done. And we did a vacation Bible school. Jane and I helped lead the music for a vacation Bible school. Uh-huh. And the next thing I know, we're getting invited to sing somewhere. And then there's a group. There's three or four. Uh, yeah. And that got to be about 12. Sure. Just happens. So I decided that the best thing I can do is just lay back and let it happen. (laughs) Well, I guess that my question would be, what were the things you learned when you got to Crane for being a pastor? What did you learn? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Uh, (laughs) Don't do anything without concessions approval. That's a very important thing. It's a long story. I won't go into that. But anyway, I think it's, it's an important principle. My dad served as the... Uh, clerk of session for his church for a little over a quarter of a century. And uh, it was quite an interesting thing. And I got a lot of my particular uh, style from my dad. Um, And he, uh, I even did uh, one of my senior reports was on the Presbyterian church and I had to go through the whole book of order and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing was I typed his minutes uh, for his uh, 
session minutes. And uh-huh. That's what I type, and I didn't learn very well, but I tried. And <laughs> so, always held the session in high esteem. They were they were the uh, special group. Uh-huh. I tried to follow. I think that I built it, and, and some of it came from your dad. I'll just have to say that. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I would watch your dad in a session meeting, and he would sit very quietly and listen to what everybody said. And sometimes a, a particular problem or issue would come up, and they would talk for 30 minutes. And within about two to three minutes, your dad would sum it up, and everybody say, yeah, and that was it. <laughs> and it wasn't he was so fortunate because he wasn't, quote, considered the uh, the – Ancient one that he knew everything. Uh-huh. He was just sure. a lawyer, and he was doing his thing. And as I read his, this is something that always happens too. About a week ago, when you first contacted me, uh-huh. I had just been going through a file uh, that I'm clearing out, throwing out stuff right and left, and that's how I ran across the pictures of you and your dad. <laughs> yes, definitely. I ran across a 14 uh, inch yellow uh, legal pad. Uh-huh. That was your father's sermon one Sunday when I was gone on Father's oh, really? I'm going to send that to you because I think I'm okay. not. Okay. That's a, wonderful. Yeah. It's a great thing. I treasure I'm not giving you the original. You get the. We'll get you different. And oh, um, I liked watching him the way he would work. And then there was another elder, stronger leader type elder who had been a. a an educator, that's the best word I could say. And uh, they always warned me, said, this is the one guy you got to watch for because, you know, he, he takes over and does So I said, okay. And one day one of the members, uh, when I went to see him, said to me, I found out your secret. I said, what's that? He said, you know the Book of Order. I said, I do. He said, because so-and-so, I shouldn't give his name, but Probably most people in the, the situation would know what, who it was. But he said, every time he says something and says it so dramatically and you know it's wrong, you just reach over and flip your <laughs> and hand it to him. And he says, no. oh, no, is that the way it is? Okay. Uh-huh. He says, you're always one step ahead of him. I said, good. I'll try to keep that up. <laughs> so, being on top of that, being uh, able to know what my uh, specifications were, you know, what my order should be, uh, that was a big thing. I've tried to go on about four principles or four guidelines, if you want to call it that. People come first. Um, anything. You don't want to hurt people. You want you want to be there sure. for them because there are a lot of people out there that are hurting, and there are a lot of people that are angry and so forth. So you try to meet that need first. Then you have certain principles that you go by, and you don't compromise those. For groups, you have to have policy. So I have, for the last couple of uh, pastors, developed a book of uh, for elders of what we want to do. Every committee is listed there, what its purpose uh-huh. is, what it's made up of, all that kind sure. of policy book. And then the last thing you go for is the program. And uh, you get as many people participating in the program as you can because it helps to develop better programs. So that's sort of my, been my philosophy. I also have a, uh, a prayer that went up on my desk about 25 years ago. Uh-huh. It's simple. There's just eight words. Thy will, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Uh-huh. So that's what I try to go by. 
that's pretty awesome. No, I, I I think it is because I hold on to it. Uh, I don't do everything perfect. I've had, I have also one little sign of grace that came on the left side of my desk. It says, nothing would be done at all if a man waited until he could do something so well that no one could find fault with it. Right. <laughs> I'm sure that's right. Yeah, that's and from so, Cardinal, i got to give credit here, Cardinal John Henry Newman, 1880 okay. to 1890. Wow. So, just that way. Well, and so when I'm thinking about your time there, of course, I remember all the youth stuff. And, you know, that was a really vibrant time in that church. And so was there anything else that you felt like you learned or needed to know or whatever? Uh, I learned I learned a lot from the young people. I know that much. Uh, I even told the uh, congregation at Crane that I had learned more from my own children, having them and, and growing up with them, uh, than I did from all my seminary professors. I didn't sure. think yeah, but I think I really did. And the same is true with young people that we work with. You know, we went uh, we took the group out to uh, Blue Hole on uh, a Wiley farm, and uh, uh, oh yeah. Spent two night, or spent one night, and we brought enough food for that evening and enough food for the next morning and for lunch. And I said, now if you want to stay till the second evening, you're going to have to catch your own fish. Uh huh. <laughs> we did, and we, in fact, we caught so many fish and people donated other fish that we had to invite the parents in and everything to have a, a closing program. <laughs> it was a great time. So, you know, relax, enjoy the moment, because it's only going to happen at that moment. Right. Exactly. And so then at some point, you know, are there people who you remember from the church or anyone else that was important? Well, I hate to say the Wiley family, because that sounds so weird. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, Porter Lucas, for example. Yeah, he was great. And Margaret was just super. Now, Margaret used to be a lecturer. I don't know if you're aware of oh, that. Oh, yeah. She sure. used to travel. And I asked Minrose, her daughter, one day, I said, Minrose, I would love to get some of your mother's stories on tape. Uh-huh. Because uh, she tells some really good stories. And I said, sure. some of them will even preach. Some of them won't. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. I would like to get them on tape. And she said, oh, no, Mother never lets that happen. I said, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Well, she calls me up. You know, she, she'll she say, da 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 And she's going on with this story. And then she says, quick, hang out. First time she did it, I called her back. I said, Margaret, are you okay? Sure, uh-huh. why? Well, you somehow we got disconnected or something. She said, no, I hung up. I said, okay. I said, why? Did, you know, the crime said, did I make you mad or anything? Because I didn't even get a chance to say anything. Right. She said, no, I was through. And that was her question. <laughs> so Margaret and I became good friends. And, and she would pass me notes in the mornings when she would come in. And she would greet me in Gaelic. Kamala Hashapan. I was like, Kamala Hashajuk. And uh, we just, you know, had little things going. So one sure. day I said, Margaret, I said, your stories are so good. I would really like to be able to remember, but I don't have that good a memory. Could I just bring over a little cassette and, and listen to you? Because I had taken the young people over there. She absolutely mesmerized them for about an hour and a half. Tell us oh, yeah. I remember. So I said, I want to I come over and, and maybe just get a few of them on tape if I could. She said, fine. So 
uh, I picked an afternoon, about 2 o'clock or so, and I figured I'll be there an hour. 3 o'clock, I could go pick up my daughter and everything. Uh-huh. Could. So I went over, and I started the tape, and she brought out a blue horse notebook. You know what that is? <laughs> no, but I can imagine it's big. It's a little paperback <laughs> notebook that you use for uh, tests in school so that you get a clean piece of paper and so forth. And she opened up that notebook, laid it face down, opened it up to the back, and started on the bottom of the back page. Uh-huh. One on each one of the lines on the notebook, she went through that one by one, backwards. <laughs> And occasionally she would find one and she'd say, hmm, I don't remember that story, but I'm sure it's good. I'll get back to it. <laughs> she'd my board. Then she'd say, oh, I just thought of the one back here. And she'd turn back to it and just kept me entertained for an hour and a half. I had a 90-minute time just in case. So I said, Margaret, sure. I'm to leave, but I will come back and we'll continue at another time. And I ended up filling a 90-minute plus a 60-minute cassette tape uh, yeah. of her stories. Now, I've got to ask you, do you still have that? Yes. Now, here's the interesting part, to me at least. One of the members of Minrose's family, and I don't remember which one it was, said they would love to listen to that tape. I said, great. I said, I want it. You know, it's no big deal. So I turned it out. <clears throat> I left to another church, uh-huh. to another church, and I was in Kingsport in my third pastorate when I got a little package in the mail and it come out of Texas or somewhere and opened it up and there were those two tapes. <laughs> it's been all around the family. So apparently they got some good uh, chances to remember. Well, um, I would say that if there's any way that I could make a copy of that or get something <laughs> with a little more modern technology, I would love to have that. Because well, I, that's been one of my things that I'm planning to do during my uh, retirement is to turn a lot of my tapes and stuff into CDs or just sure. a little, little uh, program on the computer. And it's just taking time. That's all it took. But, yeah, you're welcome to if you want to. Oh, so that's wonderful. They really are. And like I said, some of them will even preach. I remember that one morning, you know, in the middle of your working here, I remember that she came up and she said, you know, and she had all the quotations or whatever, but she said, the reason why we bow our heads in prayer is that we ought to be captivated, but God does not make us be. And, you know, you never heard about that. You never thought about it. But it sure sounds awesome and true. Absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, you know, and that's the deal. There were so many people like that that were just so interesting at that time. And now, unfortunately, are gone. But I would love to hear anything that had her involved. Definitely. Well, I will definitely see if I can't uh, spend a little time getting I'll get this uh, sermon off to you within the next day or two. Oh, It'll yeah. take a little longer on getting the CDs made, but I can do it. Just, <laughs> well, uh, you know, or, or even just a file, just even a wave file. Sure. You can do know, that. Whatever. So then at some point, you crushed the heart of every child and left for Kentucky. That's and true. so what was it that led you there? Uh, I wish I knew. Uh, <laughs> that would be God for sure. Uh, I don't know. The, uh, the Sunday that uh, it began to happen, and that's always interesting, always your first uh, encounter, 
we were uh, into a worship service, and uh, there were a couple of guys that came in the back door, and they said they were just traveling through. I said, okay, good to have you with us, and uh, do come back to see us. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were from Kentucky, and they uh-huh. didn't travel through. They were coming all the way from Kentucky to Crane to check uh-huh. me in. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, uh, what are you wanting me to do? And they said, well, we're looking for a pastor. I said, okay. And I had really never had much uh, use for Kentucky since they played Tennessee. And yeah. Exactly. Basketball, it didn't turn out to be a good thing. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> The uh, the basic uh, thing was one of the things Jane and I had wanted to do was to get a little closer to home because it was 14 hours basically sure. from Branson to uh, to Kingsport and to which her parents had moved from Mississippi to North Carolina just a couple hours from our house uh-huh. in Kingsport. So yeah. I had both sets of parents there, and if we could get a little closer, we could see them occasionally. But as it was, once a year, that was it. And they came out once or twice while we were living in Crane. So that and the fact that it was just, uh, it seemed right that we were doing well as a church. And I went to one of my chief uh, advisors, uh, was not your dad at this time, although I did rely on him a lot of things. <laughs> but Min Rose Quinn, uh-huh. smartest daughter, obviously got a lot of her intelligence too. Min Rose was just a terrific lady. And I went to her and I said, Min Rose, I said, uh, you've told me a couple of times about people calling about how's your pastor and all this stuff. And you gave me this down the road stuff of, you know, he can't preach. He, he's not friendly. <laughs> he doesn't visit. He's trying to get him. We'll, we'll get, come get you, you know, that kind of stuff. And I said, <laughs> I am, I am really wrestling with a possible call to Kentucky. And I said, I don't know how to do I said, I didn't even know how to come to Crane. When I came to Crane, uh, you know, I, they said, uh, you can't come and preach uh, and, and still be called within the six months, although I did that too. That's another story. <laughs> I got lots of stories. But anyway, <laughs> I said, uh, when I came, I had to rely on my wife to know whether I should come to Crane as the pastor or not. Sure. And she said, how's that? I said, well, I asked her, I said, we've had this little gathering of dinner now, and I have done my thing of saying, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and I really can't play the guitar comfortably in a coat and tie. So I took off the <laughs> few songs, and then I told him basically what I believed about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the church, and that was about it. And I said, do you have any questions? And one lady, I think you'll remember Teresa Anderson? Yeah. She raised her little hand. She said, I have a question. I said, okay, ma'am. And I'm looking for, you know, theological questions. I'm, I'm sure. doing exams. I'm ready. And she said, if we call you as our pastor, will you have Sunday night services? And bing, I wasn't ready for that one. So I said, well, I'll tell you what. That's an issue that the session should consider. And I will promise you this, that if I come as pastor, it will be on the agenda of the first session meeting we have after I come. Uh-huh. And she was satisfied, and so was everybody else, and that was it. So uh-huh. I had to leave the, the sanctuary, and I told Jane, I said, okay, what did your dad do when he got a call? She said, how should I know? I said, well, is it like, do you do, if 10% are against it, do you still go anyway, if 20% are against it, or what? And the person on the committee came out and said, well, it's 100%. Do you want to come? Yes, <laughs> that answered that question, and so yeah. that's how I'm it. And 
Minro said, uh, when I was talking about uh, Whitesburg, she said, well, look. She said, I think we're in as good a shape as we've been in a long time. And though we love you dearly, we do not want to uh, keep you back from progressing. Sure. Things. And uh, I think you ought to really prayerfully consider uh, taking the job. She said, uh-huh. that was one of those things that comes with time. And if anybody knew, I mean, you know, she had jobs in New York and, and Oh yeah, and so forth. So he knew what it was like, and so I went ahead and accepted the call to Whitesburg, and I was there for three years. It was a terrific time. It really was. They uh, they were into not. It wasn't really that forward reaching. I mean, you didn't see it, but it was in there subtly that the session and the. Uh, deacons weren't getting along, so they were looking into possibly forming a unicameral system. And I went there and told them, I said, you've already got one. It's called a session. Session <laughs> really <cool. Labor> it. <laughs> But actually, uh-huh. it, it wasn't the session as much as it was one man. And he was a strong, strong leader. Uh-huh. So I asked him to come. I'd been there, I don't know, a month or so, maybe two months. And I said, I want, I want to get you with a simulation game, which were big things back then. Uh, and I said, oh, we want to play a game called Red and Black. And all your group has to do is decide on red or black. And as you choose, it will affect the, the score. And the idea is to achieve a positive score without helping or hindering the other team, uh-huh. which is impossible, of course. Anything they choose and the other team chooses, that's the way it would work. So sure. it's a great game. It could still be played today. It uh, ended up being... Uh, you have uh, two groups. You just sort of divide them up. And so help me. This had to be the Holy Spirit because I had no idea how to divide them. I just said, <laughs> peanuts and popcorn. Every other person say peanuts, popcorn, and the peanuts go to the, the sanctuary, and the popcorn stays here in the fellowship hall, and then I'll bring you the score after each round. We'll play 10 rounds. Uh-huh. We played 10 rounds. And uh, it came down to a little situation of having to negotiate. And the ones that were in the sanctuary didn't want to negotiate. The ones in the right. post club did. So we sure. had to work all that out. And it was fun. But uh, I think they learned a little something about that. And they went ahead and did develop a uh, unicameral uh, approach to things. And uh, in three years, we'd had all the goals that they had set for five-year goals finished. Really? It's open now. I can I can do whatever. And I went out to baptize a, a really unique situation of a father and son getting baptized on the same Sunday. And the elder who was uh, filling the baptismal font caught me and said, there's a pulpit committee out there. I said, really? <laughs> and, I mean, it was scary because she said, there's two on the back row on the right side. There's a, a woman up here with a man at, uh, on the left side, and there's another one up here. And she was just pointing out. I said, boy, how do you know that? She said, well, I've never seen them before. It's got to be a community. So I did meet them afterwards and invited them to, to our house to eat, and uh, we talked about Bethel Presbyterian Church in Kingsport. Oh, wow. So the next thing I know, I'm within uh, 20 to 30 minutes of my home. Period. Sure. And yeah. I didn't plan that that way either. But the uh, <laughs> Presbytery knew me and so forth, so I didn't have much trouble getting approved by Presbytery. Uh-huh. So then I went to Kingsport and stayed there for 10 years. Uh-huh. And that would have been to what? How many years ago was that? 
Okay, it was 1996 and I moved to uh, Lexington. So I was there from 86 to 96. Uh-huh. Well, that's wonderful. And so now you're getting closer, and what are you doing now? As far as ministry? Yeah. Okay, what I told my congregation, I said, I am retiring. I said, listen, please understand that uh, it's been a great ride, 18 years plus, and uh-huh. good things. Uh, we had the, the singing group again, as usual. I just gave up and said, okay, we're going to have one, period. And mostly uh, my wife and I did it. But I ran into Ray Blewett, who was one of the other guys uh, in that larger group toward the end of that PowerPoint. And uh, uh-huh. we had done a lot of stuff together. We had uh, Ranger and Rev together. His nickname was Ranger, and mine was Rev. And uh, we just had a great time. He used to play with the Wayfarers and uh, – Oh, wow. So, and then he formed this group over at the Senior Center uh, after he retired uh, that they wanted to play. Now he's got about, I think, 18 in that group, and they play at least once a month, sometimes two, three times a month. Uh Um, Does a great job, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. But when the time came to retire, I knew it. I said, it's time to retire. And I said, I'm retiring from the pastorate. I'm not retiring from ministry. I'm still doing but I got other things I need to do and, and things I need to catch up on. So, uh, you know, please, uh, please approve this. So they did, uh-huh. and threw us a great going away party and all that. I stayed in uh, Lexington for another three years, basically 15, 16, 17, yeah, about three years as a consultant for Presbytery for a church that was uh, in transition, seeking a new pastor. Uh-huh. And, uh, that was a great experience, really was. I learned a lot from that. But when the time came, and uh, Jay and I said, okay, I think at the time, any time now we could, could move and settle in somewhere else and get away from the pastor where we were. Because sure. I, I, even my last uh, preaching assignment there was at the Baptist church, and I did communion for him. I said, most Presbyterians <laughs> don't get a chance to do. But Mike and I were good friends, and he said, I trust you. And we talked about how we do it. We basically did it the same way, so it was no big problem. But uh, we came down to, to Clover where our daughter Renee lived. Renee, who was born in Crane, by the way. Right, um, I remember. And uh, we looked at three houses that Jane had looked at online, which is your typical way to shop for houses in Crane. And we came to a point where we said, just, there's just nothing here. I mean, these three houses were pretty well eliminated right away. There were some good things about them, but they just weren't right. And the lady that was uh, helping us find these places said, well, I have one more that I didn't put on the list for you, but if you'd like to see it, then we can because uh, we've got plenty of time. We had eliminated those others within about 10 minutes each. <laughs> and we came over to where we are now in Clover and uh-huh. walked in this house and liked it. And I watched Jane as she was standing in the in the dining room looking at the curtains or something, and I said, yep, this is it. I, it's going to happen. And sure enough, within less than 30 minutes, we had said, you will take it. And uh, we love it. We really do. The only problem was we came from a house in Lexington that was 4,000 square feet. Uh-huh. It was 1,912 square feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> we gave away. We sold. We you know, did everything we could, and we've stored some of it still because I said the files have to stay, and my books basically have to stay because I love my books. And sure. um, so we took the house, and a year ago, uh, 
I was walking through the backyard and I looked at the back of the house and I said, it's missing something. It needs a room back here. Now understand there are three bedrooms plus my office in here and we don't have any more kids. So why do we need that? So I told Jane, I said, I think we need a sunroom on the back. It's just a little place where you go out and kind of enjoy sitting in the sunshine without sure. doing the really yeah. hot stuff. And uh, she said, what have you got in mind? I said, I don't know, but I'm looking online. And I looked up sunrooms online and found one with beauty, all windows. I think you've got a picture of that on the back of the newsletter. Yeah. And, uh, she said, oh, that's that's unbelievable. We can't afford that. I said, I think we can. And uh, so I called him up, and they gave us a huge discount, which I was very thankful for. And uh-huh. they put that thing together and just one summer, and it was finished up, and we were delighted with it and still are. Uh, finally got my pool table. I wasn't going to get it because I thought <laughs> we were, you know, a little tighter on money than we thought we were. But uh, fortunately, this is this is the thing I have to get some credit for as far as my life and ministry. She uh-huh. has been a jewel. I don't care whether she wanted to marry a minister or not. She, she had no experience in the church. She, I didn't tell you, it's her grandfather, her father, her brother, and about three or four uncles that are all ministers. So when we went to family reunions with her uh, whole family, a uh, bigger family, it was uh, seven years before I did devotions a second time. <laughs> and we just swapped it around. And right. it was a lot of fun, too. But it was just interesting. All that uh, was there. Well, Jane has always kept a job in mind, and uh, she just you know has been there to help out in every way she can, and especially with her voice. She's got a marvelous voice. So and I just remember, you know, having her and Julia Wiley and everyone yes. else. It was incredible just to be in there and hear that scene. They are both very gifted. In fact, we did a we did an album together uh, for Julia uh, uh-huh. in Lexington. A friend of mine who was an outstanding musician and played professionally for a while <clears throat> built a sound room in his basement and did his own recordings and so forth. And so we took an afternoon and, and about a half of another afternoon and made an album, and it turned out really well. Uh, and Jane was the only other one singing on it. Uh, it was basically Julia's album, but Jane sang on a couple of numbers. And uh-huh. we, we played guitar on it, and uh, Tim played guitar and a couple of keyboards and so forth. Sure. It was an interesting uh, adventure that we hadn't planned, but uh, a very good one. Well, you know, is that the way that things happen? Is it always things you planned? Yeah, I, I think it, it's much better. We <laughs> we have always loved music, both of us. And uh-huh. our time together was in the choir uh, at King College, at each one of the churches I served, and now here in Lexington. In Lexington, that's good one. In Charlotte, we were at uh, Pleasant Hill for a, a few weeks and uh-huh. uh, in the choir there. But now we've moved over to Clover, and it's only about, 10 minutes or so from our house, and that's where we go to church now. And we love it. It's a good choir. Got a young college man that's uh, directing and a young college man that's doing the accompaniment. So that's, that's turning out to be a real good experience for us. Well, and, you know, you said something early on about fun, and it sure seems to be like you've always managed to have fun wherever you've been. Well, you might as well. Life is too short. <laughs> Eat dessert first. That's what I've always heard. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 
I don't know what it is. My dad had a, a wonderful sense of humor, and uh, he just, uh, you know, I guess put that in me. I remember that one of the things that I really enjoyed a lot was on Sunday mornings, uh, he and I would leave early and walk to the church, which was only three or four blocks away, but we would always walk to the church, and we would go in and get the bulletin and fold it for the congregation that was coming. And that was my first job in the church was folding bulletins. Uh-huh. It was always fun to, to talk with him as we did. And the pastor would usually come in and, and say a few words to us and so forth. So that's always been a, a really special thing. Uh-huh. And when we had speakers uh, come to the church, they would always come to our house for uh, an evening meal or snack or whatever. Sure. And uh, spend a lot of time uh, around the, uh, the speaker's learned a lot from them too well and i guess there's one thing that i want to make sure i ask you about which was you know back in the 80s whenever it was well it would have been the 80s definitely the 70s you had a sermon that you gave that you recorded or something like that what was that sermon well, uh, we'd have to go back and check all the bulletins and see how many there were. <laughs> because I was, I was there for, for the better part of uh, six years. No, I know that. But what I'm you, saying is I thought you, you made a record on one of them. Oh, I don't know about make, making a record, but I do know we had every one of them taped. Uh-huh. And I don't do that anymore. I mean, the, the congregation does it, but that's their business. I'm not as scared as I was before. I, one of the things that happened uh, that made me treasure the, the taped messages uh-huh. was at Crane School. As you know, I substitute uh, oh, yeah. the teacher there. Mm-hmm. And at one of the junior high, uh, it wasn't a commencement, but it was sort of like that. It was their closing program for junior high. They were going into high school. Right here. And I said to them, and, and I believe this was Tom Wiley's class. I'm not sure, but uh-huh. I think it was. And I said, you have, at this school, built the kind of reputation you really don't want. You're the kind that you're always seemingly getting right on the edge of trouble or whatever. Uh, It's not a good reputation to have. And I said, you have four years to turn this reputation around. I believe you can do it. Well, one of the mothers approached me oh, within the week of that and said, I heard you the other night, and you said this was one of the worst classes. I said, wait a minute. I said, you didn't hear everything I said because you must have turned your hearing aid off after I said it. I said, yeah, they, were, they have the reputation of being one of the worst, but I believe they have the opportunity to turn it around in four years, and they did. I mean, that class really turned it around, and they became one of the best ones. And when it came time for them to graduate, they got the chance to, to uh, choose their own speaker, uh, and they chose me. Oh, wow. That was really touched by that because, uh, you know, there, there was a, a, a movement, very brief movement, but very quick uh, to, to not ever have me speak there again. And uh, I said, ooh, I've really messed it up now. And I said, one of the things that saved me was that I had the tape of the sermon. I said, if I give a public address, uh-huh. I tape it. Uh-huh. And I don't do that as much now because I don't care anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's just that, you know, I'm, I'm a little more confident in what I've got to say. And probably sure. a little more prepared, too. So, uh-huh. 
Just one of those things. You've done it a few more times. Through the years. You've done it a few more times, definitely. Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> I figured it up one time, but I don't have the figures with me right now, but uh, it's been in several hundreds. You figure 20 years in the ministry times uh, 12 months, uh, four times a year, you know, or uh, four times a month kind of thing, and you figure it pretty close to how many I've done. Oh, yeah. So. Well, it's been so nice to get to sit with you and spend some time and, you know, Break on your kids for a minute. What do they mean to you? Oh, boy, I tell you. Well, as you know, Lee was your contemporary. Yes. We lost her in, in 1999. Yes. And uh, she had become a doctor. She did graduate. A uh, quick little story on her was when she was five years old. She looked at me and said, Dad, I want to become a doctor. Uh-huh. And being who I was, I said, really? That's That's wonderful. And uh, I thought, okay, what can I do to encourage this kid toward? Uh-huh. So I went out and I bought this pretty little pink nurse's kit. Uh-huh. And it had the stethoscope and all the stuff necessary in there, a little fake uh, thermometer, and gave it to her as a present. And she said, Dad, I said doctor. <laughs> I knew I had a women's liver on my hands at that point, but she <laughs> that's what she wanted. So right. when she finished all her years at, at school, college, and uh, graduate school, and got her doctorate, I gave her another doctor's gift really? with her gift inside, clipped to the clipboard. Uh, and that was her graduation gift from us, and she loved it. Uh, so anyway, she went on to the Miniker Clinic, and that's where we lost her out there. And I think a lot okay. of it had to do with uh, being away from home and the support that she needed. And, well, and, you know, that's one thing I wanted to ask. I mean, how do you deal with that as a minister or anybody but as a parent? Uh, well, boy, it's hard. Uh, deal with it as a parent, of course, at first, because this, this was our precious child that we dearly loved. And, and uh, Sure. Oh, my gosh, we, yeah. We were shocked out of our, our event. The first thing that happened was uh, one of the elders and his wife came to our house that night. We were out, or I was out, doing uh, caroling with our choir people. I and remember when it happened. It was right had, before Christmas. Yeah, she had a, a sore throat or something like that and stayed home. And as I was bringing people back to their homes, uh, we got a call from her that said, uh, please come home right now. And I said, boy, that sounds like it must be bad. I said, probably my dad because he was a heart patient. And that's sure. what I expected. And I got there and I said, is it dad? And she said, no, it's Lee. I said, what's wrong with her? And she said, she's dead. And it's mm-hmm. just a total shock. And uh, Dr. Miniger, who runs the Miniger Clinic out there, said they were totally shocked too because it just wasn't in the agenda for them, you know, because she Sure, was, yeah. And so anyway, uh, we have since then, or I have, and I'm sure Jane has too in certain respects, found that that better prepared me, not that I would want it that way, but it better prepared me to deal with people who have lost a child. I'm sure that's right, yeah. Groups and individuals and visited homes and stuff. uh, And there's not always a pat answer. You've got to just say, you know, you get through it. You don't get over it, but you get through it. Uh-huh. We still think about it today. Uh, Jane and I sat down probably six months afterwards. Uh, as you know, I did a lot of uh, videotaping back then. 
time. And, of course, a lot of it was Lee. And uh, we sat down one afternoon and just went through one tape after another, sat and watched it on the TV, did our crying, and got the catharsis that we needed. Um, We gave thanks for the fact that we had her. Uh, We didn't want to lose her, but we did, so we gave it up. And read books like uh, Angel Unaware, uh, Dale Rogers, uh, Rogers. And uh, so that's that's what we did. And like I said, anytime I can be called on to help somebody who's lost a child, I want to be there. Sure, yeah. Okay, number two was Christopher. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's what we want to send back. Well, you know, well, we kept him. And uh-huh. you, you say, aren't you glad you kept him and let him live? I said, yeah. And he uh, he had no idea what he wanted to do, and he even told us one day. He says, I want you to know, he says, I'm glad you all were hard on me. I said, what do you mean hard on you? He said, well, he said, I've, I've turned out pretty well in spite of myself, and <laughs> I, want, I, want to be, I want to become a, a Marine. I said, do you want to be a Marine as a career? Yes, sir. I said, okay. That sounds like you're already ready for it. And I said, thing I'd ask, you do realize Marines go in first. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. I said, okay. I said, are you willing to lay down your life and do your duty? Yes, sir. I said, okay. Question number two, you may come face to face with your enemy. Are you willing to take another person's life he said, long pause, if I have to. Uh-huh. I said, you're ready. Uh-huh. He graduated from high school. He didn't want to go to college. He, he uh-huh. wasn't moving to college. And uh, he graduated from high school, and within a couple of months, he was off to the Marine Corps. And uh, he graduated from training and uh, was going in for four to six years, uh, part-time kind of stuff. And next thing I know, he's making a career out of it. And his uh, commanding officer uh, talked to me one morning at church where he went uh, in uh, South Carolina. And he said, we think Chris is officer material. I said, well, uh-huh. I think he could be. He's He's been a good leader in other things. And he said, uh, we want you to talk him into going into the MESEP program. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I don't talk that boy in anything. I said, I'd be willing to talk about some stuff. He'll do it. So one of the tricks I have pulled off him over the years has been a pool table. I know that sounds weird, but I can distract that boy with pool and get him to talk about anything. Uh-huh. So he came in one night uh, on leave, and he said, Dad, I like what I do in the Marines. He was a heavy equipment operator. I said, okay. I said, that's great. Glad you did it. But I don't want to do it all my life. I said, all right, what's your choice? She says, I think I'll go back to school. I said, I'll back you on that 100%. Sure. I won't pay for it because you're already married. But, you know, you can. You can. Yeah. He said, the Marine Corps will pay me my current sergeant's pay if I go back to school. Uh-huh. He went back to school, graduated almost straight A's, and uh, became a uh, an engineer, construction engineer. Uh-huh. And he served for 18 years in the Marine Corps uh, and did a marvelous job, got a lot of awards. He uh, he finished first in one of the first, very first classes he took and got one of those beautiful Marine swords given to him. Yeah. Gorgeous. And the second one that he graduated 
uh, first in. He got a book. He said, Dad, sword's a lot easier. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, we're real proud of him. He's got a son, uh, and A.J. is Aaron Jacob. Uh, A.J. Okay. is going to go into the Marines right after he graduates. Here's like father wow. again. <laughs> That's awesome. And he looks a lot like him, too. Uh, sure. The thing is uh, Renee. She has three children. She's a deaf educator. She's another one. I don't know why my girls were so set on all this stuff, but she wanted to be a deaf educator when she was about four or five years old. <laughs> really? So I bought her the book, The Joy of Signing, and uh-huh. she took it there, and she has taught uh, elementary education uh, first as a deaf educator for five schools in the Clover School District, and uh, now she teaches sec- uh, first grade. Uh, in the Lake Point Academy, uh-huh. it's over in Charlotte, and she's married and has three children. Uh, Braden is twelve, and Riley Jane, Riley Jane, and Hannah Grace are both seven years old. I remember they, that. They're twins. twins that they are twins, and boy, are they ever you know unite with each other. <laughs> Number four, the afterthought, Mary Beth. So I said, you know, we didn't really plan on having that many kids, but we're sure glad we right. did. So she's a jewel. Sure. And uh, she's living in Baltimore, uh, at, well, actually Severn, Maryland. And uh, she works in a uh, – she, she has her license as a real estate agent. Okay. But she manages the property uh, that they rent. So that's very cool. cool. So that's our crew. And then let's brag on Jane for a minute. Brag on Jane. Yeah, she like I said, she has been a jewel. She's uh, she's had job after job, uh, mostly in bookkeeping. Uh, she did that for uh, one of the ladies there in uh, in Crane, and uh, well, not so much in Crane, but she started doing it mostly after she got the kids up to where they could be at home, you know, with their dad sure. and get too corrupt. Uh, she did it in, in Whitesburg. She also has served as a uh, church secretary in uh, Kingsport for a Methodist church. Nobody ever uses their own, own uh, parishioners for, for secretary. You want somebody uh-huh. to be there on Sunday. <laughs> They'll work to <laughs> death on Sunday, I'll tell you. But uh, she did that. And then when we moved to uh, Lexington, the big concern was, uh, can we get Jane a job because – the church is not going to pay what Bethel did. Bethel is a substantially larger church. Sure. And uh, they said, well, uh, sometimes Washington Lee University has openings for somebody. Uh, what's her talent? I said, anything you want, she'll do it. And uh, she, she had wanted to be in business, remember? And so next thing I know, she was an assistant to the accounts payable uh, person. Uh-huh. And that person's father got sick. They had to move out of town to be with the father to take care of him. Jane stepped right up into that. Now, we did not know at the time, but when you've served her at that time five years, you can take your kid to college anywhere. And oh, really? Well, they don't do it that much now, but they did then. And so when Mary Beth moved up there, she was in eighth grade. Five years later, she was graduating. She had thirty some thousand dollars worth of scholarships, which wow. helped her first year at uh, uh, Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina. Uh-huh. And then 
the uh, Washington and Lee uh, scholarship program kicked in. And she got the rest of her three years paid up. So we managed to graduate four kids from college with no debts. Wow. I can't That's give you anything, but see to it that you get an education. And I said, that education, if you learn it and you use it right, it will take care of you the rest of your life. And that well. So I can't complain. I've been very blessed <laughs> what I deserve. And basically yeah. because Jane has been willing to do what needs to be done. If it was playing piano, she could do that. If it was singing solos, she did that. If it was just going out and hoeing in the garden, she did that. We did a lot of things that uh, you know helped us get through hard times. We never really right. felt hard times. The hardest time was, was losing Lee. But sure. we had uh, tight budgets sometimes, but she's an excellent budget keeper. really is. <laughs> that's why we have money now. So well, I could brag on her all day long, but I'm not going to. Well, so, you know, anything else you want to say to everybody? Oh, gosh. You know, I just got through looking through some of our list. I, our computer crashed just after we moved here, and we lost a lot of our list for her. Christmas uh-huh. and that's one of the faults of uh, relying on the computer sometimes. <laughs> you, right, back in, back in, back definitely, in yeah. And uh, so I've been straightening that out. Two hundred and seventy some letters went out, uh, and that's a lot of folks that have been influenced, maybe by me or by Jane or just whatever. Sure. The people usually say they like to see Jane sing. I said, "What's good?" And one of the things <laughs> I like to do is sing with her because that's sure. Awesome. What y'all see, so she's really got the talent. She's got all the abilities I don't have, but I'm <laughs> smarter because I married her, and look who she married. <laughs> but uh, we get by, you know, and I kid her a lot, but we, we have a lot of fun together, and uh, I just can't say enough about how good she's been to us. And uh, I think I'm thankful for all the friends you made. We, we're making new friends down here that are just very special. And uh, my next door neighbor is just fantastic. He has his own garden going, and, of course, we moved in in the middle of summer, had no chance to plant a garden to speak of, and uh, he just shares garden with us right and left, and uh, just a really terrific guy. And I get to keep his dog. One of the things that I wanted to do was to have a dog again. We've had four or five dogs, but but we got here, and she said, well, you know, we were planning on traveling. If you've got to travel, you got to do something with the dog. And I was like, 15 minutes away, Renee can take the dog. But... Uh, she really, you know, thought that that was going to be hard for it. But my neighbor travels a lot. He's an airline pilot. He and his wife fly all over the world. Uh-huh. Yeah, I take care of the dog. Shadow is my friend. So you've got to have a good time, I think. I get blessed beyond what I am worthy of. <laughs> well, I love this conversation, and thank you so much for it. And you know, just am so thankful that you spent the time with me today. Well, you and, and your family, your your extended family, your aunts and uncles, <laughs> yes. very special to us because, uh, and I'm just proud to death of, of Julia. Uh, she's out in Scotland doing her thing. I love to see people live their dream. And, uh, I know, yeah. We had a breakfast with Tom and Tammy uh, just last time we were out there. And just, it was just fun. The only problem yeah. I have with him is he won't let me pay for breakfast. But <laughs> it's a fun time. And so we've got some great friends. And I love it. Well, everybody. that is great. All right, Pat, you give your family our love. And I will. We'll talk with you again sometime. Yes, talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Take Bye-bye. Care.